Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to run through my rest of season rankings for the running back position. So obviously before the season, I put out my rankings at each position. And then after week four, I went through, updated them. Here we are at week eight. So I thought this would be another good opportunity to update these. So basically this would be like if I'm drafting today, this is how I would rank these running backs. And honestly, this list was really tough to come up with. There's just a lot of these top running backs where it's so, you know, tough to break down specific rankings for them. So I'm kind of going to talk through all these rankings, maybe bunch some players together into tiers, you know, because honestly, running back one through running back like seven or eight could all finish, you know, interchangeably, just depending on who gets lucky with touchdowns and all of that stuff. But before I get into the rankings, please do me a huge favor. If you guys enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. You guys can ask me any fantasy questions down below. You guys can also leave your comments on my rankings. Let me know if you think a guy is too high or too low. I'd love to have the conversation. And obviously these rankings aren't going to be perfect. So I would love to hear the feedback as well. But let's start it off at the top. And I ended up going with Austin Eckler. This was a spot I kind of flipped around a few times. I ended up settling with Eckler. I really think he just has everything you want in a fantasy running back. He's on an offense that aside from the last two weeks has been really solid. He's going to be getting red zone opportunities, which is something we didn't know he would have locked down coming into the season. He's efficient on the ground. He's getting a fair amount of carries. And then his work in the receiving game has just been top tier. You know, he's up there with a guy like Christian McCaffrey in terms of his receiving volume. So I think rest of the season, he's healthy right now. He is going to be my RB1. Then at number two, I have Delvin Cook, and he was someone that I was debating putting at number one. I ended up putting here. I ended up putting him here at number two just because he doesn't have that same receiving upside, but still is going to be a top tier running back moving forward. He gets an absurd amount of volume on the ground, and he is going to have some huge games down the stretch. Here at number three, I have Christian McCaffrey, and this was one of the tougher calls on this entire list because if everyone's healthy and you know they're going to play, you know, X number of games. Like if you told me right now, Christian McCaffrey returns this week and he's going to be healthy throughout the rest of the season, he would be the clear cut RB1. The problem is he is coming back from an injury. I don't think it looks great for him to play this Sunday. You know, hopefully he's back within the next few weeks, but I ended up going with him here at number three, just because when he is on the field, I don't think anyone can compete with him in terms of fantasy production. He's someone who can legitimately average 25 plus points per game. He could even average like 30 points per game if he gets fortunate with the touchdowns. So, you know, this is definitely more of a risky spot. If you're a team who's kind of desperate to win right now, you'd probably take someone like Najee Harris or Jonathan Taylor over McCaffrey just because you do have the safety that is in your lineup. But long term, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be the guy. Then at number four and five, guys I just mentioned, Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor, both very young running backs who are just playing out of their minds right now. Najee Harris has the advantage of just having a massive workload. He has a monopoly over basically every single touch out of that Steelers backfield. With Jonathan Taylor, he may not have the same you know, touches per game as Najee Harris, but honestly, he is just an amazing running back. He is a big play machine. His touches have been going up and he's getting work in the receiving game, which is nice to see. You know, that was kind of a concern coming into the year. Would he have that receiving upside with Naheem Hines there? I think the Colts have realized you just got to get the ball in Jonathan Taylor's hands. He is the best player on that offense. And so I really like him. 
as a high-end running back one moving forward. Then at number six, I ended up going with Ezekiel Elliott and then Aaron Jones here at number seven. I feel like these guys are fairly similar in that what separates them from being in that top tier unit is that they're not getting, you know, almost every single touch out of their backfield. Eckler, Cook, McCaffrey, Najee Harris, and even Jonathan Taylor are getting the vast majority of the touches. Whereas with Zeke, you do have Tony Pollard involved. With Aaron Jones, you have A.J. Dillon there. But for both of these guys, these are top tier offenses. They're going to have scoring opportunities. They're going to get work in the receiving game and on the ground. So you can't go wrong with either of those guys. Then at number eight, I have Alvin Kamara. And this may seem like a little bit of a shocker to a lot of people. And it honestly does feel tough ranking him this low because he has played very well throughout the season. But there are just so many top tier running backs here. And there are a few factors that are kind of going against Kamara right now. The first one, which I think is going a little bit under the radar, is the Saints going out and bringing in Mark Ingram. You know, do I think Ingram is going to challenge for the starting job? No shot. That's not happening. We all know that. But before Mark Ingram came in, the Saints didn't really have an RB2 on this team that was involved every single game. They're basically giving every single touch to Alvin Kamara. They've started to take that load off a little bit. We saw it in the Bucks game. We saw Ingram was involved. And I know he's not going to be eating, you know, massive amount of touches from Alvin Kamara, but those are still going to be a few targets, you know, a few carries per game that Alvin Kamara is not getting. And then we have Taysom Hill likely taking over at quarterback. With Jameis Winston out, you now have Taysom Hill coming in. And the difference is, I'm not sure Alvin Kamara is going to have the same receiving upside we've seen this season. And that's because with a guy like Taysom Hill, when you get these mobile quarterbacks, a lot of them are not great at checking down because when they feel the pressure, they just go to scramble. You see that with guys like Lamar Jackson. Those running backs aren't targeted at all. The Eagles running backs have had a hard time at getting involved in the receiving game. And we've actually seen that last year, you know, in the few games where Taysom Hill started at quarterback, there was just a decrease in Kamara's targets. And the second thing with Taysom Hill is that when they're on the goal line, they do like to call Hill's number and get him involved in some running plays, which is obviously gonna limit Kamara's overall touchdown upside. So he's still a very solid RB1 moving forward. I just don't know if he has the same upside as some of these running backs that are ranked ahead of him. Then at number eight, it is Daryl Henderson. Honestly, you could make an argument he should be higher. He's getting workhorse touches on a great Rams offense. He's seeing work all over the field. He is a three down back and has just performed amazingly so far. So if you have him on your team, you should feel great about him moving forward. And if you're out there trying to trade for a high-end running back one, a lot of the guys I talked about you know, ahead of Henderson are probably gonna cost an insane amount. Some people may not have caught on to Daryl Henderson, even if they know he's been putting up great production, just the name value of guys like Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, people are going to want way more assets in return. Whereas with Daryl Henderson, I feel like you could get him for a little bit cheaper than you should. But so just kind of offer around if you are looking for a running back. Then at number 10, I have Joe Mixon. I've been a big Joe Mixon advocate coming into the season and so far this season. I've liked what I've seen. You know, there was a little bit of concern about his snap share. He fixed that against the Jets. It looks like he is still going to be the workhorse there. So, you know, a solid RB1 moving forward. Then it's going to be DeAndre Swift coming here at number 11. And this honestly feels low for Swift, who's had a great start to the season. And I kind of talked about earlier how it was tough to differentiate these guys. I feel like, you know, going from Mixon to Swift to Chubb, even to Saquon, all those guys could be interchangeable. Obviously, assuming Saquon returns, you know, probably in two weeks. Right now, he's still dealing with that ankle injury and has COVID. 
So we're probably looking at week 10 at the earliest, but all of those guys have the potential, you know, with solid touchdown upside to finish as mid to high end RB1s rest of season. Then at 14, 15, and 16, I kind of feel like we have another tier here with James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, and Cordero Patterson. These are guys where if you have like a stacked wide receivers, a stacked tight end, I wouldn't feel terrible, you know, having Fournette and Patterson be like my RB1 and RB2. I think all three of these guys have a decent shot at finishing as an RB1 rest of season. So even though they're listed as RB2s right now, they still do have that upside rest of season. Then at number 17 and 18, I have Elijah Mitchell and Damian Harris. Kind of similar players in the sense that they're getting all their production on the ground and basically nothing in the receiving game. The difference is that Elijah Mitchell has a monopoly over every single running back touch compared to Damian Harris, where the Patriots are always going to be using, you know, two or three running backs at a time. And I feel like there's a pretty big drop off from your Fournettes and your Pattersons to Mitchell and Damian Harris. They're still solid RB2s, but like I would feel way better having a lineup with Fournette as my RB2 compared to Damian Harris. Then at number 19 and number 20, Josh Jacobs, Chase Edmonds, total opposite in terms of running backs. Jacobs' production is completely dependent on getting into the end zone, whereas Chase Edmonds has been a solid running back play, scoring only one touchdown so far. So that's where we stand with those guys. And then to go through the last 10 running backs in these rankings, at 21, I have Michael Carter. He's really broken out as the Jets RB1, even though he doesn't have a monopoly over all those touches. He's shown some really nice work in the receiving game. And I think, you know, he's a low-end RB2 moving forward. Would I rather have him as an RB3? Definitely. But, you know, maybe you're in a 12-14 team league. He's not the worst option for an RB3. Then at number 22, I have Miles Gaskin. He's definitely come on strong as of late. There are just some concerns in terms of his overall workload because we did see a game this week, because we did see a game this year where he was just straight up benched. You don't see that with your top tier running backs. You don't see that with your mid to high end RB2s. So that is why he comes in here as a low end running back too. But I still think with some touchdown luck, he could honestly finish more towards that mid to high end RB2 ranking. At 23, I ended up going with Kareem Hunt. He's currently dealing with an injury right now. Obviously, if he was healthy, he would be way higher. You know, he's kind of behind this range of guys where you feel confident starting them right now. But, you know, in front of these guys who maybe are solid starts, but guys that seem to be fairly replaceable. So when he comes back, you know, he's a mid to high end RB2. But for now, he's got to be ranked lower because he's still going to be missing games. At 24, I have Antonio Gibson. He was one of the harder players to rank just because I don't really know what to make of him. You know, he starts off fairly solid. Then he's dealing with this shin injury, you know, a stress fracture. And then he just has not been the same. He's basically turned into a Josh Jacobs type player where he needs to get into the end zone to be effective. I don't trust that on a Washington football team offense that is not super effective. And then we saw in week eight, you know, Jarrett Patterson actually outcarried him. So I think best case scenario for Antonio Gibson they have a bye this week. Honestly, they should just sit him one or two more weeks, let him heal up, get him healthy, and then just give him that workload again. Because if they're just kind of going to let him continue grinding through these games, getting eight to nine carries, and they're super inefficient, then he's just not a confident fantasy start moving forward. So I think this is more of a kind of long-term ranking because if he can regain you know, his borderline RB1 production, then I think he'll be a nice option down the stretch. At 25, I have David Montgomery. Pretty similar stuff to Kareem Hunt. The only difference is that I do think 
Khalil Herbert may be eating into that workload. You know, David Montgomery was pretty much a workhorse through the first few games of the season, but I do think, you know, they may ease him back. Herbert's going to get some work because he has been impressive, but still someone who's a borderline, you know, RB1 when he is healthy. 26, I have James Conner. Tough to rank him as well, to be honest, just because, you know, his overall production in terms of receptions, volume, carries, it's not great. Touchdowns just really carry him. Eight touchdowns so far in the year. He may be able to keep this up, you know, in a high-scoring Cardinals offense. So that's why he comes in as a high-end RB3. Zach Moss here at 27. Even though the Bills' backfield isn't a super profitable spot to have, it does look like he's kind of emerging as the RB1. It's still kind of a 1A, 1B type of situation, but we saw him get involved in the passing game. If he can just claim that passing work, he already has the goal line opportunities. And so an RB1 on a high scoring offense still should be like an RB3 at worst when you're just looking at the opportunities he is going to get. At 28 and 29, I have Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon back to back. So far, Melvin Gordon has been more effective at getting into the end zone. Javante Williams overall has been the better runner and better guy with the ball in his hands. So they're back to back here. Melvin Gordon's probably the stronger play, you know, for the next few weeks. Then Javante Williams may be the better play towards the end of the season. And then the 30th and final player on these rankings is going to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's a guy dealing with an injury, so he's definitely farther back. He's way lower than Kareem Hunt and David Montgomery. Just because when he is healthy, he is not the same fantasy asset as those guys. I feel like when he returns, it's going to be a fairly healthy committee with Daryl Williams. You've now got Gore in there. So he may still recruit fantasy value when he comes back but he's definitely not going to be what you drafted him as. That is going to wrap it up for my rest of season RB rankings. Let me know your thoughts down below. Hit that like button and subscribe if you enjoyed the content. Ring that bell so you get notified every time I post a video, but that is going to wrap it up. Go check out my wide receiver rest of season rankings. I'll be posting the quarterbacks and tight ends tomorrow, but thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see you next time.